This is the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. All right, happy Black Friday to everyone. Bill Rowland and KJ Carson filling in for Chelsea and Jinx here on the Daily Tip in this hour. College football, Friday and Saturday, big games all over the place, just about everywhere. Also got to get into the NFL as well because it's got a full slate even after yesterday's Thanksgiving Day games and also Black Friday. So we will do all of that coming up here in this hour. KJ, we've got so much to get to in college football. Let's go ahead and just dive right into it. Obviously, we have seen the top eight teams as far as the college football playoff goes. I, for one, because where I went to school, we don't have a football team, at least not a real football team. So I'm rooting for as much chaos as possible over this weekend. Where are you as far as the chaos scale goes? Do you want like the traditional or are you hoping for absolute chaos when everybody's losing and we don't know what's going to happen with the college football playoff? Well, you know, the the matchups have changed over the years, and so have the dominant players, right? So there's no Nebraska-Colorado game that means anything anymore. The, you know, some of the the Alabama-Auburn game is kind of like, like really, that's, that's a game still? You know, so if there's one game that I have my eye on would be Ohio State-Michigan. And it's one because it's, it's really – because this year it feels like it's the ugliest this rivalry has gotten. And you almost feel like if Ohio State loses this game, do you fire the head coach right there on the sidelines, right? Because, like, you mm-hmm. can't even beat Michigan when the coach who cheats isn't there, right? Like, like it would almost feel like you're failing an open book test and I've given you three hours to complete it, you know? So that's the drama that I like with this Michigan situation. It feels very 90s WWE attitude error where it's like, Michigan's now the role of stone cold and pick whoever stone cold may like, and it almost feels like Ohio state's Mr. McMahon, right? Like, you know, like you're still in this, but for some reason you can't get some things done. And, and, and that's, what's interesting because knowing a little bit about the Michigan program and how they've built, it's really built from the ground up in the state of Michigan. A lot of kids through youth football, like there are kids who I know were playing youth football that end up at Michigan and they tend to stay a little longer. Right. Where at Ohio State, you know who the hot flavor of the month is, and they're going to be gone next month, right? We know that Marvin Harrison Jr. is gone after this season. So if Ohio State loses, and keep in mind, it's going to be an anticlimactic game, but whoever wins that game plays Iowa, right? Like, <laughs> what a greater what a greater example to get rid of conference, you know, divisions yeah. in the conference. But I think that Ohio State-Michigan game has that feeling of almost like a daytime drama or pro wrestling crescendo leading into WrestleMania. Now that's, that's actually a good way to look at it. I'm going to bring in our audio producer, David Dykes from Double D up there in Chicago because he's a big college football guy. David, obviously you're a Penn State fan. You've got the Penn State sweatshirt on today. You're a Big Ten guy. Where do you fall on this game for Ohio State and Michigan? They're going to play that on Saturday, noon kickoff. And Wolverines, minus three and a half favorite. That hook, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, that the hook is kind of that last thing where you go, "Ah, three seems about right, three and a half, maybe a bridge too far. Where are you on this one? 
uh, first and foremost, I am all over Ohio State. Uh, I love the three and a half. I love that hook. I actually think Ohio State is going to win this game. Uh, okay. To me, I've watched both teams play my team, Penn State. I believe Ohio State had the better performance, had the more dominant performance. Michigan wore down Penn State's defense. Michigan's defense had three and outs throughout that second half. Uh, J.J. McCarthy didn't even throw in the second half. So, of course, the defense for Penn State got worn down, and finally Michigan started running the ball at big clicks. Now, early in that game, Michigan was giving up huge chunks of yardage to the Penn State running game. Won't even talk about the the passing game. But in Penn State, Ohio State, the man, and I'm going to call him the man until proven otherwise because he is the best player in college football, bar none. Marvin Harrison Jr. absolutely took that game over. I've not seen a wide receiver take over a game like that in a very, very, very long time. To me, Penn State secondary is the best secondary in the Big Ten. They have two guys that are probably going to go early second, early third at the latest. Oh, Michigan doesn't have that. So I'm think my thought process is this is this is Marvin Harrison's game where he's going to go give me the Heisman. Do I think he's going to win the Heisman? No. Should he probably? Maybe. But I think this is Marvin Harrison's prove-it game. He leads Ohio State to a victory over Michigan in the big house. That's Can a bold, a bold statement. Yeah, go ahead, KJ. Can I ask, Jump in. David, I have, to, I have to ask you this question, and I need you to lean into your Penn State self before I get into cover state you. Who do you hate more, Michigan or Ohio State? It honestly depends on the year. This year, it's Michigan. I cannot stand them this year. So here's what I'm going to say next. You just gave a theory that because David can beat up Bill and Bill can beat up KJ, that KJ can't beat up David, right? Like that like that doesn't necessarily apply, right? Because each game styles make fights, if you will. I think that everything, because keep in mind, Michigan hasn't had their, their, their conflicting moment since, what, the Penn State game was the first game? So they're they're in this whole other mode where you almost have to feel like, hey, is this conference out to get us? And we're going to try and absolutely choke out everybody from here on out. The three and a half, I think this game comes down to whoever has the ball last, and it's going to be a shootout, right? So that's why I would take Michigan and the three and a half because I think that last possession is the touchdown that puts them ahead Ohio State may have a chance to go back and run it back. I think they don't convert. But I think Michigan is on such a roll without having – because Jim Harbaugh comes out of the shadows when the game is over, right? Like this is – it's all setting up for this huge crescendo of emotion that's going on. And like you said, they wore Penn State's defense down. Why? Because you know that the quarterback there cannot get you back from anything. So if you're able to to wear down the best thing that you have, that is what I look at more so than what happened in this game versus what happened in this game with this particular team, right? So the narrative with Ohio State in the past, not so much this year, but in the past is, 
They tend to play down to their competition. They don't really beat teams the way they should be beating them. That's been a better thing for them this year. But this is a, this Michigan situation is totally different than any of the years that Harbaugh has been there just because he's not there. And for the two of the three games that he's not there are the statement games of the season. So that's that's why I think Michigan has, you know, it, you, see, you hear the old the old, mat, old adage, that old college try. This is going to be the old college, like, like power lift. What, what is the thing they call it where people go, go do those – those uh CrossFit. It's gonna be like, uh, like obnoxious like that. They are really gonna be on some type of mission. Let me ask either one of you guys here, because obviously this game, the winner of this game is gonna be in the college football playoff. Because again, I think we all agree that Iowa, while they have a fantastic defense, is not going to be able to score seventeen or twenty points to win the Big Ten title game. So. Whichever team loses, if this is a touchdown or less game, do they still get to the college football playoff? David, I'll ask you first. I, I think I think if it's this three-point game or if it goes into overtime, yeah, I don't see how they drop out of the top four. I just don't – unless, once again, once again, there, if there's another undefeated team out there like, like the Florida State – which I think Florida State's going to lose in the next two weeks sometime. But if there's another undefeated team, you cannot leave that undefeated team, power five undefeated team, out of the top four. It's the only way I don't think they get it in. Either one of those teams is the first one-loss team at number four, I believe. Yeah, I'm with David. It would be very hard if Florida State wins out. You know, why would you punish them even if their quarterback's out? If anything, you say, okay, you're immediately the last of the four, right? Because you feel like you're the weakest, you know, who do you play in your conference championship? So whoever loses this game with one loss is going to need Florida State to lose somewhere or another one of these teams to, you know, Georgia fall on a banana peel against Alabama, something like that. So they need something like that to happen. So somebody else has to show up with a one loss in order for one of these teams to stay in the college football playoff, because then now the one loss is a little more spread out. So again, I can't see how you would keep, like David said, a power five undefeated team. I don't care what you, I mean, the ACC is just pretty much, they might as well play basketball on grass, you know, because it's, it's just some of those teams. I mean, it's just really bad for that division, for that conference, but you can't ignore them because that's what pretty much your charter says. If you're, power five conference team and you're undefeated you're you're a college football playoff team yeah and it's never been no undefeated power five team has ever been left out of the college football playoffs so yes if they beat florida if they beat louisville they're obviously going to be in all right uh, david let's switch gears here real quick penn state at michigan state today i know you've said that you worry about them laying the 20 and a half not going to talk about the money line. They're minus 1,600. That's just crazy. If you're going to lay the money line stuff at that number, I don't know what you're doing. What do you think about your Nittany Lions on the road at Michigan State, who is, by the way, an awful football team? Well, first off, they're playing for the most god-awful trophy in all of college football today, the the land-grant trophy, whatever they want to call it. Um, once again, it comes down to – What does it look like? Oh, it – it's just, I can, it's blocky and just bad. It, it, there's no describe. You just have to see it. 
It's horrible. It is absolutely god awful. And and self admittedly, they say it's probably one of the worst trophies in college football. That being said, I was looking for them against a a very lesser Rutgers team last week to look bad. And in that first quarter, they looked god awful. That defense didn't look ready to play. The offense looks the same. Even though they fired their OC, they're not taking deep shots. They're not throwing to their best wide receiver. Uh, Lambert Smith has had two catches in the last two games. That is awful. So, yes, do I worry about them winning the game? No, but covering a spread like that in Michigan State with a trophy on the line, as funny as that sounds, but Michigan State's going to be keyed up for this game. Do I I just, once again, it's one of those weird rivalry, non-rivalry games that sometimes things go sideways. So do I, I just don't think they're going to cover with all the issues that they have on the offensive side. All right, KJ, yeah, I'm kinda... I got to ask you about, I, I want to ask you, I want to move because we only got a couple minutes. Right, we yeah. got to talk about Iowa, who's already in the Big Ten title game, we know, at Nebraska. But the total, KJ, is now down <laughs> to 25 and a half. KJ, can you trust this Iowa defense and Nebraska defense? I mean, this is a game that it could end up 14-13, and you would go over the number. Over can we trust these teams? 25 and a half cases? This is ridiculous. You know what's funny about this? This might be the game you watch and you tell them, punt, punt, punt. Yes. Just punt. <laughs> Please punt. You know, so don't go for it. Yeah. This is, I would, you know what? This would be more enticing if this was like a Major League Baseball game, right? If this was like an A's game, you would say, hey, this is pretty interesting. I might go with the over 25 and a half. Yeah, this is. This is embarrassing, right? Because here we're talking about Iowa, which will play in the Big Ten Championship, and then Nebraska, who's in a rebuild, right? But no points, right? Like, I, I, I'm i just – who play – like, do they play their football on color television, right? This is how bad that is. So, you know what? I'm going with the under. This is going to be one of those 10-3 games. 14-3. Like, this is – this is why I'm disappointed in some of these games, man, this weekend. Like I, I can, I can almost sit out. Like I'll watch the Penn state game. Cause at 22 and a half, you know, they baked in two and a half to see if James Franklin is going to fake a kneel and throw a touchdown. Right. So you know, right. I'd watch that. Here's a drama in that with Franklin, like cover, cover Franklin, but this game with a total of 25 and a half. And if someone scores two touchdown, your over is in trouble. Yeah, like it's in, in jeopardy. So, yeah. Yeah. That's disgusting. Like That's still amazing, too. It's amazing, too, that Iowa is getting two and a half in this game. They're the they're the ranked team, and they're getting two and a half. It's amazing. Anyway, we got to run. NFL weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> NFL weekend is coming up next. Bill Rowland, KJ Carson in for Chelsea and Jinx. This is the Daily Tip on BetQL. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back, everyone. Bill Roland along with KJ Carson filling in for Chelsea and Jinx. This is the Daily Tip here on BetQL. Lots to get to the rest of the show. Going to talk a little NFL in this segment. Going to do a little college basketball. And when we get to that at 740, I'm going to ask KJ where his threshold is. Where's the limit as far as the number that you're willing to lay? We'll get to that at 740. And then back to college football and NFL in the final hour. And, of course, our best bets to make you a little money here on Black Friday so you can do your holiday shopping, which is where I want to go to next, KJ, before we get to the NFL. When are you starting your holiday shopping? So don't laugh at me, don't at me or what have you, but I am a very strong believer of the 12 days of Christmas. So like Christmas is over on December 31st, right? So I'll give you five days, I'll give you seven days after the 25th and probably five days ahead of that, okay? So I try and start my Christmas shopping around the 10th of December, right? Because my like, like this is supposed to be kind of a time where like, all right, I, I want to uh, see some different things. I don't want to be bogged down. Now, granted, the way that online shopping is kind of really kind of rushed and really kind of seeped into society. I mean, we're all, I guess we're okay. I mean, I bought myself. That's the other thing for Christmas shopping. I always buy myself something first to set it off, right? It's like I, it's like my own version of pre-gaming, right? It's like, let me make sure I'm in the spirit to buy for other people. So let me buy for me. Then I'll make my move on others. So so maybe I'll start it earlier because I did already buy myself something like that. The, the company in the sky that they're like, we can deliver to your house between 4 a.m. and 8 a.m. I'm like, don't do that. I'm not pressed about my own gift that way. So I bought myself a sound bar, a little cheap sound bar, just to see how nice. it sounds. Yeah, so then I could work my way up. I'll say, okay, I'll spend more than what I spent on the soundbar. But, you know, so the holiday shopping, I'm not one of those people that likes to go overboard. That's my mother. I'm, I'm just not one of those people that believes that Christmas is defined by gifts as much as it is reflection. So, like, the gifts, those are, yeah, those are things. You know, I asked my wife, what does she like? She likes the same thing every year, and I'm consistent with that every year. So, you know, like, that's, that's easy. So, but, yeah. What's your, I, I, know you're, I know you have a, I know you have a young daughter. How old's your daughter now? You're She's youngest. She's 12 now. The She's 12. 12. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we've, we've, we've met her off air on the, yeah. on the show when you, when you filled in right. and been a guest, she's delightful. What's on her list. Does she give now, it to is, you? And she said, dad, this is what I has. want. You better deliver. So if I'm a parent of a special needs child, my daughter has cerebral palsy. And so it's fascinating where for years it like there's excitement was about Santa calling my phone. This is really the first year where she comes with a definitive statement, knowing that the holiday is coming. So there's a part of me as a parent that's like, this is really cool. My daughter now has the actualization that the holiday is coming and she knows what time of year it is. She loves cooking shows, pretend cooking. We give her Play-Doh to pretend like she's chopping up stuff. This year with the straightest of face, she says, I want a bigger blender. Oh, like that thing's got metal parts and it's really like that thing will cut you. And my wife was like, I found one. I'm like, there's no way, you know, like the next real thing, the next blender that she wants is the real thing. So now she's asking for a real blender that that she says, I need to put more Play-Doh in. I'm like, there's, there's those. Mm. So 
we're trying to figure out how to kind of get her down off of the, we're not going to get you the Cuisinart so that way you can put Play-Doh in. Right. You're still good with the, the Fisher Price and art, you know, so that's, that's where we're staying with that. Nice. Good for her. Wanting to step yeah. up, get the real deal. I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. Let's jump ahead here. Sunday NFL football. There are some games that are interesting. A lot of small spreads this week around the NFL. Doesn't necessarily mean they're good games, just that the yeah. spreads are small. We'll start in the go ahead and start in the uh in the NFC South. Saints at five and five would be in the playoffs right now, which is weird to say. Again, a five hundred team, although I think we all saw that coming with as terrible as the NFC South is. At the Falcons, who are four and six, New Orleans minus 105, Atlanta minus 115. The Falcons favored by one, your total of 42. A chance for the Saints to take over the NFC South or at least have a better hold on it and a better chance for the Falcons to actually jump up and then be a threat to win that division. Who do we like? We'll see now if you look at the BetMGM line, that that thing is flipped. Now the Saints are favored by one and a half. That tells you I'm staying away from this game, right? This is one of those games where it's kind of like, hey, whichever way the wind blows, and I don't want my money to blow in the wind. So I, I can't I can't gauge the spread. Let's go ahead and take that off the table because that's just too close. The money line, maybe I might be tempted to take the Falcons saying maybe the Falcons could pull the upset and I can get plus money. Even the total at 41 and a half, you're kind of like, oh, gosh, this like – like these guys are good who set these pace things. So if there's any play, it would be the risk to say that you believe that Atlanta wins the game, and it's only you know, and it, and and you can get plus money just just ahead, just to skosh past even money. So that would be my play if that's a play to think about. It would be the Falcons to win out on the money line at plus one hundred five. Yeah, it's definitely a tough game, and that line flipped a point and a half, actually two and a half points. Because when I typed this in yesterday morning, Atlanta was minus one. And now, as you said, it's flipped to the Saints. Desmond Ritter starting for Atlanta in that one. All right, Steelers, Bengals. A couple weeks ago, you would have said, oh, boy, this is going to be a great game. Now you have the Steelers who have just been meh, have been outgained in, what, nine of ten, if not all ten of their games so far this year. They give her to their offensive coordinator. But they still have Kenny Pickett as their quarterback, so I'm not sure how much is going to change. Taking on the Bengals, who unfortunately, tough blow for all NFL fans. Joe Burrow out for the year with that wrist injury. Steelers favoring this one by a point and a half on the road. Total of an Iowa-Nebraska-like 35 and a half in an NFL game. And there are some low totals. That's not even the lowest of the week. There's some low totals this week. <laughs> yeah, do you like this one, KJ? Do you like Steelers? Do you like Bengals? Is this just a, hey, I'm going to stay away, and it's just going to be like like looking at a car wreck where you don't want to watch, but you can't turn away from it? It's a car wreck. I might watch a little bit. I, I would stay away from the game personally, but if there was an angle, is that you know Pittsburgh is now clearly established that they have a two-headed running, a two-headed monster at the running game. And I think that bodes well for keeping the ball out of Kenny Pickett's hands or at least having him throw a forward pass. And two, it'd keep the Bengals on the, off the field longer so that way when they put in their backup quarterback, you can now put him in a situation where they're going to have to lean on his arm. So I would lean Pittsburgh minus the one and a half just because I believe they'll be able to effectively get the running game going, ball control, it'll be ugly. 
And if I put something next to that, I would probably put the under 35 and a half just because the game is going to be slowed way down because of the quarterback play. It's unbelievable that 35 and a half. And it's like, yeah, the, the under. And you know what? You'd be hard. Pre- I, I would be with you on that as well. I just look at this and go, this could be like a 20 to 10, 20 to 13 type of game. And that gets you comfortably under that number there. All right. You want to talk about another train wreck game. Panthers one and nine at the Titans three and seven. Mike Vrabel of Tennessee has been told he's safe beyond this season. So that's good news for them. Tennessee in this game, minus three and a half. Another low total of just 36 and a half. I mean, this game is another one where you just go, ay, 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 why would I even tune into this? One and nine at three and seven? Yeah, maybe the props you would play probably would be uh, turnovers or interceptions on Bryce Young. Maybe that's what you play, but I would take Tennessee in the three and a half just because I think they'll have an opportunity at a short field. But my goodness, even a short field for Tennessee's offense can still seem like miles. So, look, if because this is a betting show and we got to give at least an opinion of what we think is on the game, this is another game I would stay away from. But the angle that I would play is expect a Carolina Panthers turnover in an area that will shorten the field and that Derrick Henry can probably bust one out for a big gain. I could see Derrick Henry probably hitting his over prop in this game. Um, well, actually, the under prop, because with the turnovers, there won't be as much field to travel. So I, I like I like Tennessee in the three and a half um, just because Carolina is just that bad offensively. Derrick Henry has not had a Derrick Henry type year. And a lot of that goes to the poor quarterback play of Tennessee. Right. A lot of it goes to you wonder if just the mileage has finally caught up to him because, of course, he's been such a workhorse his entire career. Right. But I think the tread may be finally wearing thin on, on those tires for Derrick Henry. All right. Buccaneers, four and six at the Colts, five and five. Tampa Bay, plus 115 on the money line. Indy, minus 140. The line at two and a half. The total at 44. It's actually ticked up a little bit now, 44 and a half, mm-hmm. which is pretty standard for an NFL game. Buccaneers need this one if they're going to stay relevant in the NFC South. The Colts need this one if they have any hope of even making some sort of run towards the AFC wild card. I don't think they can catch Jacksonville in the division. Obviously, mathematically, they can't. I just don't think they're good enough to do it. Who do we like in this one? Is it a more desperate Tampa Bay team on the road or the Colts? Jonathan Taylor back in the fold. He's been running well lately. Who do we like here in this one? Is it a total? Is it a side? Where are you on it? I like how the Colts have been playing. Um, You almost feel like this is the result maybe even a little bit better than they would have gotten if if Richardson had not gone down with the season-ending injury. So I like the Colts, and I like the over, right? The the Colts have shown you that they can get in a shootout. Gardner Minshew can, can navigate them through shootouts, and they've been in a few of them. So with the Bucks look, they're just this enigma that, you know, that's just really anything NFC South. And so the desperation of it, I don't think will be enough for them to cover the two and a half. So I, I like Colts to win the cover to two and a half. I don't see that much. There's a little bit of value on the money line, but I do like the over 44 and a half. I, I think you'll get some points up on the board. You will see the receivers for the Bucks be able to flex their muscle a bit. 
but I think the culture just they've just got a little bit more togetherness in terms of what they're putting on the field right now. And you look at the Colts, I mean, their schedule, if you figure they beat Tampa Bay, and I think I'm with you, I, I have the Colts winning this one. So then they get to six and five. They're at the Titans, which, again, it's always tough to go on the road, and that's always a big rivalry game, but the Colts seem to do well against Tennessee. At the Bengals, which, again, a week and a half ago, you would have said, oh, that's not going to go well for them. Now, that's probably going to be a line that's pretty much even. Home to the Steelers, at the Falcons, and then Raiders and Texans to finish out. I mean, there might be nine or ten wins for this team before it's all said and done. That's going to have you right on the edge of the playoff line. Think about what I'm about to say. and This is going to be fascinating when you think about how the season is going. The last game of the season between the Colts and the Texans could determine who gets the last wild card spot. Like who would who would have thunk it? So, yeah, the Colts, here, here's what they've done. They've won the games that you didn't think they were supposed to win, and they've won the games that you thought that they should be in. And even when the season started here, you know, obviously from a Patriots perspective, I even thought, well, all things considered, that the Colts were going to be a problem for the Patriots just because of what Anthony Richardson would be able to do. But now with Gardner Minshew, who's been in this role probably two or three times, now feels like, okay, he knows what it takes to get this team through three quarters effectively. And if the game is in the balance, he can deliver for you. You know, that's why I think that's probably the difference between him and Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's done it a couple times, but Gardner Minshew has had to do this like on call. So like literally he's the permanent interim guy right now that you might, it'd be fascinating to see the Colts potentially playing the Texans where the backup quarterback of one team has been the quarterback the whole year and a rookie of the other team with a team that was just an absolute despot situation two years ago are now fighting for a playoff spot. You can't say that you don't love this game. And that's why it's so perfect to, to match gambling with it. It's because the, the chances, it's better than rolling a dice sometimes. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. All right, real quick, we want to get to this last one. We got about 90 seconds. Patriots, two and eight at the Giants, three and eight. And here's your total, 34. 30 34. What are your Patriots going to do? How long is Mac Jones going to stick around in this one? Bailey Zabby. Who who are they going to rotate? Are these going to have all three of their quarterbacks take a snap at some point? And Belichick will just be like, hmm, that guy looked good enough handing off to Stevenson. We'll keep him in the game because that's about all they can do on offense. I've never heard in the history of the Patriots, at least in the last 20 years, probably not since the Mark Wilson days, where they say we won't announce the starter until Sunday morning. So even right now, as we speak, the announce it has not been announced who the starting quarterback is. So A, that tells you what they think about Mac Jones. I think what you need to watch for would be is Malik Cunningham activated for the game when they release the if If he's activated for the game, he may very well be the quarterback. With all that said, take the under of 34 for historically low game. <laughs> And they fought both of them. <laughs> you are not trusting Tommy DeVito. All right, we come back. We'll talk a little college basketball. Where's the threshold for the big, huge numbers? Where does KJ say, uh-uh, that's too much? We'll talk about that next. Bill Roll and KJ Carson in for Chelsea and Jinx. This is the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by Bet and GM.
The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. All right, welcome back in, everyone. Bill Rowan along with KJ Carson filling in for Chelsea and Jinx here on Black Friday. We appreciate you hanging out with us. KJ's got his best dad mug going. Best dad by far. Yeah, I see. see it's got the little uh, little golf thing on there. Are you a golf guy, KJ? I didn't realize you played that much. Yeah, well, actually, that's funny you say that because it really should say best dad over 100. Because uh, that's where <laughs> as that dad is at 103. So there's very few pars in there. So, um, yeah, when I get a chance, man, to get out, yeah, I, I get the club swinging. I got to work on my iron game. But the putting game has been good. The driving game has been pretty good for the last couple of years. So the iron work is where, I, you know, people say they strut with, you know, you, you, know you, you hit for show, putt for dough. Well, I, I don't know what the change is in the middle with the irons. So, you know, that's, that's what I've got to work on right there is uh, you can't use a seven iron to rescue you all the time <laughs> in the woods right. this far. Ah, I'll just take it 150 at a time. So what if it's 94 away? <laughs> I'll just underswing as I always do. So, so, but it's a cool coffee mug my kids gave me. They're very, yeah, it's very I cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you and I might be okay on a, on a scramble team together because my driver has been miserable the last mm-hmm. year and a half or so, but my irons have been dialed in pretty well. I'm pretty good from about 170 in. The problem is getting to that 170 off the tee. That's been the issue. So maybe if we combine forces, oh, yeah. we might shoot. We might shoot 95, which I guess is better yeah. than. 102. Then I can really say that the best dad by par with Bill. <laughs> there, you there, you there you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, before we get to the college basketball conversation. I know you were on the air yesterday, so maybe you guys didn't get to see it because you were doing you better, you bet. Dolly Parton, halftime of the Cowboys game. What did we think of 77-year-old Dolly Parton coming out dressed in a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader outfit? Impressed or not so much? I'm impressed. Here's why. On the show, I had joked – what would be the over of 30 and a half seconds of a two shot of Dolly Parton? And we both agreed, Sean and I both agreed it would be an over, but having no idea that she'd come in a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader outfit. So clearly the over hit tremendously on a Dolly Parton two shot during the show yesterday, during the the game yesterday. But look, I'm impressed because if you have to be of a certain age to understand what Dolly Parton was in the realm of conversation in America. Now, granted, some would say the conversation's gotten a little bit better and not so much in terms of, you know, Dolly Parton two-shot jokes, is is I'm impressed because, look, I know if I was 77, you could not put me in an Arnold Schwarzenegger Speedo and replicate him in Pumping Iron, right? So if you're 77 – and your body is pretty close to what a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader looks like. Hey, hats off, right? Because, you know, but, you know, have you ever heard the rumor that the reason why Dolly Parton always wears long sleeves is because she's tatted up? Have you ever heard this? 
I have. I don't know yeah. that I believe it, but I guess it's possible. Look, I, I give her credit because she yeah. looked for 77. It was impressive. But let's be honest. She's had a lot of good – she has really good doctors. Let's just say that. I mean, let's just put it out there as honestly as you can. Really good yeah. doctors. Yeah, she's had so many doctors that referrals have given referrals to referrals, right? Because, like, she's like she's like plastic surgery 1.0, right? Like, she's the Commodore 64 of plastic surgery, yeah. allegedly. <laughs> so, so yeah, and right, 77, right. It's, it's well paid for. And, again, like you said, you know, it looked good for a 77-year-old in a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, but there's a bit of a cheat code involved as well. Most people don't have that amount of money to pull off that cheat code or potentially all those – would that not be hilarious if, like, Dolly Parton is, like, super tatted up, you know, like, you know, a biker mom and stuff like that on her arm and whatnot. So, like, because that's what I thought was interesting is that she came out in the Dallas Cowboys cheerleader outfit with long sleeves, and I don't know if that's that's a normal part of the outfit. Just made me buy a little more than the conspiracy theory. Yeah, I love it. I love that conspiracy, and I I hope I hope that it's true. Yeah, I hope that it's true. I hope she's got all sorts of big of dragon, just a big dragon right down the side of her, you know, bicep or something. Oh, it'd be so. I would be so more uh, in awe of Dolly Parton, Dolly Parton than I already am. But here's a question, KJ, because you had Jack Harlow did the Detroit oh, halftime. Uh, look, I freely admit I'm a guy in my fifties. I had there were a couple of teenagers and a twenty-something at the Thanksgiving Day fest, you know, festive things that I was at, and I literally turned to them and said, "Who's Jack Harlow?" And I'm sure I sounded like the hey, oldest guy in the room. Yeah, it, I had no idea. Yeah. My girlfriend goes, "Well, he's some singer," and the sound it was turned down, so he couldn't hear it. And I said, "No, the way he's moving, he's definitely rapping." But I have no idea who he is. And her 20-something-year-old daughter went, yeah, he's a rapper, but this looks awful. So, so yeah. May, I, I, so, subconsciously, you may not know, but you have seen him before. He's in the Kawhi Leonard New Balance commercials playing the one-on-one -on -one pickup game against him. That's Jack Harlow, but that's not what he does. But here's the thing. Right. This is the first time. And, and look, I don't want to be that guy because – People told me that my music was trash, and I'm not going to do that. I, I I don't believe in that. However, I I the guy who was standing next to him, initially I thought he was for closed caption, but then I realized I was like, this dude's got to stand next to him, wrapping his words, right? Because I was like, oh, this is for the hearing. No, it's not for the hearing impaired. This is just some dude standing next to him, wrapping his words, like just hype guy. And, but he wasn't hype. That's the other part of it, and the and 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 here's just from a set design. I know I'm going Richard Lewis here. What's with the frozen, bad-looking outdoor kiddie pool? Like, what was that supposed to be? It looked like somebody who puts the you know people who put an outdoor pool, above-ground pool, in their front yard. That's what it looked like, you know. Like I was like, come on, bro, set design. Who's the stand? He was in the reboot of White Men Can't Jump. I haven't seen him. But I, I do know who Jack Harlow is. I know he's from Kentucky. He mentioned he gave a shout-out to Louisville, which I'm thinking, like, okay, maybe you just wear, like, something Louisville or whatever. But, you know, look, if, if, if there's one thing that I came away with is, like, okay, 
Why did it have to be a rapper in Detroit, Dolly Parton in Dallas, and Steve Aoki in Seattle? Can we be any more stereotypical here? I mean, what would it have been if it was in Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston? Would it have been your cousin Paulie in Boston singing the national right. anthem? Come on. I mean, like, how, how many tropes can we do? I'm sorry. Yeah, when you think about it, that is that is definitely true. But, yeah, I had no idea who he was. And, I, and I'm perfectly okay. I don't even know if it was good or not because, like I said, the sound was down. But the set design, as you talked about, somebody made the comment I saw, which I thought was brilliant. It looked like a knockoff of Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Mr. Freeze in the Batman movie. Like, it just, that's how bad this set looked like. It looked like a hype. Yeah, like a high school performance of it. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, college hoops. We've got some good games today that we don't necessarily have to break down. But if you're if you're looking for stuff to watch today outside of your college football schedule and the Black Friday Jets-Dolphins game, Battle for Atlanta's final. You got Villanova taking on Memphis. Third place game has number 14 UNC against number 20 Arkansas going to ask you about those necessarily here kj but i want to ask you because as i'm scrolling through bet mgm this morning and i'm looking for different lines and games for us to talk about i come across some things and i go yukon hosting manhattan today and the line is 34 and a half and it got me thinking yukon might cover this 34 and a half because they're really really good and manhattan's just Okay, not great. But what's your limit? Where is your threshold for laying these big numbers in these games? Because as you've talked about with even football, you get the guys at the end, if it's a you know, 25, 30 point spread in a college football game and you put in the walk-ons, that can screw you over for a cover. Yeah. What's the threshold in college basketball for you? So I'd have to think like a coach, like what would tick me off as a coach and what number would that associate with the spread and the number I came up with is 13. I, If I'm a coach, wow. I want to be, I would want to comfortably be four possessions ahead, right? Because that's going to be what, a minute 20 off the clock. So that's two minutes. That's two minutes worth of possessions if a shot doesn't go up, right? So I don't do anything more than 13, right? I think it, it, it it can happen, but 13 is where I start saying, okay, in this UConn game, I think you put that number in there because there are a lot of UConn betters. Like Massachusetts is new to betting, so they're going to be people like, yes, it's an out-of-state school. I could bet on them. I went there. Heck, yeah, they're going to cover 34 and a half. Heck, no. You know, because if you're pulling guys out early, maybe that game is really a 17 to 20-point game, which would be only two possessions above my mean, right? So my mean would be 13 points and then start adding possessions. So double that would be 26, and a one-possession game would take it down to three. So so 13 is my mean, and you 26 after that, I'm like, really? Like, if it's 34 and a half, it's probably going to really be closer to 26. That's just how I would think. I mean, you look at this, an 80 to 50 drumming, which I, I would not be shocked if we, you know, later today – this game tips off at 2 o'clock Eastern time. If at 4 o'clock I'm scrolling through my, you know, phone apps, looking at scores, and it said UConn 80, Manhattan 50, I'd be like, yeah, pretty much what you'd expect. You'd lose. Ooh. You wouldn't cover at 80 to 50. Right. Same thing Duke 
at Cameron today, hosting Southern Indiana. 36 and a half, KJ. 36 Southern and a Indiana? half. Southern Indiana at Duke today. Yeah, 36 <laughs> and a half. I thought I thought Larry Bird went to an obscure school, and that's only Indiana State. I didn't know there was a Southern Indiana, but shouts out to everybody you know down there near the Kentucky line. Yeah, that's one of those situations where respect starts to come in, where you're not going to run up a score. Thirty-four and a yeah. half, thirty. Yeah, nothing more than twenty-two. Yeah, it gets to be a bit much. All right, this is KJ Carson. I'm Bill Rowland. We're in for Chelsea and Jinx. Up next, last hour of the show, college football, NFL, our best bets. Stick around. More of The Daily Tip on BetQL is coming up. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.